Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Today we, we continue learning the book of Hodot Halevavot, Duties of the Heart, by Rabbi Ia Ibn Pakuda. And we're in the chapter of trusting God on the, the gate of uh, Emuna. And last time that we, we learned uh, this book, uh, we were talking about the five prefaces, the, the comprehension and the realization of which will bring a person to complete trust in God. We were able to talk about the first preface, which was very long. You can re-listen to the last class. But to give you a recap, he was saying that he should, that a person, first of all, should believe and clearly recognize that the seven qualities which, in, which if united in the object of one's trust make it possible to trust in him are united in God. What he was saying is that we have seven emotional attributes, we have seven sephiros that are emotional, which are qualities that can resemble God, God. and when it says let's make man in, our, in my image, this is what God is talking about, is our behavior, how we uh, behave with the world and um, that's what it's saying that when we have them aligned with uh, Hashem's will then we will be able to unite with God today we continue with the second one and I hope we have time to finish the other the other three so the second preface a person should know and realize that the creator may he be exalted is watching him and nothing is hidden from him so this is very important, and um, and then in Avod it says a person doesn't sin if he knows what's above him. That there's some uh, that there's an eye that sees, that there's an ear that hears, and everything is recorded in a book. So this many many years ago, I'm talking before we had cameras in the streets. It was a very hard concept to, for people to understand that there's they're always being seen by Hashem. Today we can understand this concept better because we have cameras all over the world. A person, you can see a person doing things in the street that before you would, would never be able to see. For example, my husband the other day was showing me a video of a police officer, incredible, in a building and uh, she was outside of the building and she made someone move the trash from, from another place to the front of this building so she could give up ticket to this building and it's recorded like in olden times nobody would know that the police officer was was criminal really but today everything is is known everything is seen so what's going on today really it's been going on forever Hashem has always been able to see everything that goes around us and so God knows the thoughts of men and, and, and that they are vain so not only he can see what we're doing he can see what we're thinking he knows what our heart holds so when this is clear to a person it is improper for him to profess in his speech that he trusts in God if he does not trust in him in his heart and in inner self so we cannot say uh, from the mouth out that we trust in God if inside we really don't tr trust in God because he knows he knows what we're thinking he knows what we feel we should never deceive Hashem really we're deceiving ourselves so the third preface a person should trust in God alone in matters in which he's obligated to trust in him he should not associate anyone else with him Trusting in God and in one of the creatures for his trust in God will be spoiled by associating someone else with him. 
You know what was said of Asa, who with all his pity re relied on the physicians. Even in his illness, he did not seek help in God, but in physicians. So what it's telling us here is that really physicians can be very bright and can, they can be very good physicians. But in reality, the one that guides the physician is Hashem. It says that every doctor has a, a, an angel that helps him. So, so really, in reality, yes, your due diligence is to go to the best doctor that you can find, the one that has the best credentials. That's your job. But we should never assume that we, our life and our health is in the hands of the physician. Hashem guides the physician. So when we pray, we should pray that Hashem should guide this physician to be able to bring refua to, to the person, but not pray that the doctor cures you. So the fourth preface, a person should be exceedingly careful and make a great effort to fulfill what the Creator has required of him in his service, to carry out his commandments, and to keep far from what he has forbidden him to do. So. As our masters of blessed memory said, do his will like your will, so that he will do your will like his will. Trust in God and do good, dwell in the land and enjoy steady support. This really is incredible. I live it every day. And, um, and in reality, we should try to live a life in which we're trying to do what Hashem wants from us. When you're living connected to God and you're doing these things, then reality is that whatever Hashem wants is what you want. Because you have a godly neshama, you have a godly soul. And this godly soul in reality is mamish as a spark of God inside of you. It's one and you and one with God. It's not that you're God, but you have a spark of Him. And this soul is connected to God. And the only thing this soul wants is to do what Hashem wants you to do. The reality is that that other soul that you have, the animal soul, is, is the one that takes you the other way. But this animal soul is not eternal. The day a person dies and leaves this world, this animal soul doesn't elevate itself. It doesn't go up. It, it goes into the, into the tomb with the person because it's not needed anymore. The soul doesn't need to refine itself. The, the, the holy soul is holy. The animal soul is here to be used for holiness. That's the whole purpose. We should transform all our, our, all our desires into fulfilling Hashem's will. That's why we have addiction. That's why we have uh, desires. That's why we want to do certain things because we need to have this energy inside of us to be able to connect to the godly part. But in reality, uh, when you live with Hashem's will, Hashem's will becomes your will. Uh, I remember a story my son-in-law told the last Shabbat. It was an incredible story of a, of a husband and a wife. They were looking for a child for, I don't know, 18 years, and they w weren't able to get pregnant. And uh, the, the husband had a lot of health issues, and they went to this, um, to this uh, organization that helps couples go through in vitro, uh, they pay for it, so couples that otherwise wouldn't be able to pay for it would be able to have the chance of having a child. So when this couple came to the, um, to the organization, the president of the organization had a quandary because he thought, okay, these people are going to cost me what other 10 people will cost me. Like, if I give the, the, the treatment to them, I'm 
I'm not being able to give treatment to other 10 couples. So what should I do? Because they're gonna be so costly that it's gonna take away the chance for another 10 couples. So what did he do? He went to a Rebbe in Israel. He flew to Israel. He went to a great rabbi. I don't remember the name. And uh, he went to him to ask him, what should I do? Should I turn them down? Should I give them the, the opportunity? What should I do? So this Rebbe answered him, you know, when you have a, a mitzvah in front of you, you grab it. You don't question. You have, a, 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 you have the capacity to help these people, then you should go and help these people. And Hashem will see what happens with the other 10. If the other 10 people are supposed to have kids, you're gonna have them through your medium, through your organization, through natural efforts, through another person, they will be able to conceive their babies. If that's not up to you. Up to you is if you help this person or not. So he came back to America and they, decided to do the in vitro for this family, for this couple. And Baruch Hashem, 10 months later, they had a healthy baby boy. They were like so happy. And at the end of the day, there was a big donor that came and paid for 10, uh, for 20 uh, in vitros. So he not only got the 10 that he thought that he had lost, but Hashem gave him 10 more. So this is how we have to go in life. Go and do what Hashem wants you to do. If you don't know what he wants you to do, go and ask a good rabbi what you should do, what the Torah says. And you will never, never, never go wrong. So if however we relies on the Creator while at the same time he rebels against him, how ignorant is such a person, how weak is, is his mind and his intellect. For he can see that in human relationships when an individual is charged with a certain responsibility by another person who either commands him to attend to one of his affairs or cautions him about something and he violates this person's command, if word of his violation then reaches the one who commanded him, it will be the strongest reason for non-fulfillment of that for which he had relied on the other. So what Rabbi Pakuda is telling us here is that we should always be true to ourselves. We have to be true with God. We cannot be praying on, on Shabbat on, uh, and praying and praying and going to shul and then uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday night you go to, uh, to eat uh, non-kosher food. This is, this is not, it's not, it's not real, it's not true. You're not being sincere with yourself and with God. So this is certainly true than one who rebels against God and transgresses his statutes and commandments for which he promised reward and threatened punishment. If he relies on God, his hopes will be dashed and he will not deserve to be called one who trusts in God. Rather, he will be like the one of whom scripture says, what hope is there for the hy hypocrite who has robbed, who has robbed when God takes away his soul? Will God listen to his cry? So the fifth one and the last one of these prefaces is that it should be clear to a person that every new thing brought about in this world subsequent to the creation is completely completed by two things. One, the creator's decree and will that it be brought into the realm of existence and B, intermediate cause and means. Some of them immediate and others remote, some evident and others concealed and be revealed with God's help. 
So an example of, of an immediate cause is the extraction of water from the depths of the earth by means of a wheel with attached pockets in which water is drawn out of the well. The remote cause is the man who harnesses a beast to the wheel and so makes the wheel revolve with draws the water from the bottom of the well to the surface. The intermediate means mean between the man and the buckets are the beasts, the pulleys that move each other and the rope. So what it's telling us here is that when something comes into the world, something new that we had no idea it existed before, for example, my grandmother who has been dead, she has moved on to the other world for 22 years, if she would wake up today, she would not recognize the world. Like iPhones, Apple TVs, uh, iPads, uh, cigarettes that, are, that don't smell, that you don't see them, that you don't feel them. She would be like, what happened here? What, what happened here? So what it's saying is that whatever comes into the world, whatever comes into the world that we see as new, it's something that it was drawn down to the world. It's not that it's new, it's already created. Hashem created the world already 5,779 years ago. Everything has been created. He makes something out of nothing and he's recreating the world at every instant but that for us it's new it's something that came into existence for us that we became aware of this thing and the creator's decree and will that it will be brought into the realm of existence but then this new thing that comes into the world it has intermediate uh, causes and means so for example uh, you get an iPhone, right? And you're not thinking about everything that's inside of that phone. You don't know how it works. You don't understand all the little mechanisms of things that have to be in that phone for you to be able to FaceTime, to WhatsApp, to look at your Instagram, to look at your Facebook. Look, think about it. It's crazy the amount of chips and things, and I'm not a savvy person in technology, but the amount of things that are behind the scenes of that phone, so you can have that uh, convenience in your life. So I leave you here with these thoughts. Uh, they help us look at the world in a much grander way. Uh, it really takes us out from being these limited-minded people and uh, it makes us more appreciative of everything we have and everything that has to go around so we can have what we have. So I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you.